The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Thanks to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, who I finally got to see live. Well, knew me anyway, um, last week. Appreciate the song Lion Kings. Good stuff from them, our intro of the season. James, no article this week, but you sent me a list of guys you wanted to talk about. A lot of interesting names um, on this list, and we'll start with Kyle Tucker. Really playing pretty well and you know Evan Gaddis heated up it, it seems like you know Josh Reddick heated up but this is a team that could still use Tucker's bat I think in that lineup so you think we see him uh, maybe pretty soon I think we certainly could see him pretty soon like I, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he got called up tomorrow I wouldn't be surprised if he got called up in a week or two weeks uh there's still the possibility that if you're stashing him that he's not up until after the all-star break maybe not even September I mean this is a a really deep team a team that's going to cruise I think to one of the better records in baseball so uh 
they don't need him necessarily, but I think the argument for bringing him up if you're the Astros is just that he doesn't really have much else to prove at AAA and that this is kind of the next logical step in his development. Uh, he's got his you know, strikeout rate under 20%. He's walking over 10% of the time. Uh, obviously taking advantage to some extent of the, the PCL, the hitting conditions in that league, but uh, really good success rate, stealing bases, hitting for power. Uh, he's just looking like a really nice all-around player, and we're running low on guys that I think are, are worth stashing in your typical mixed league, and he's really one of the only guys left that I would say is still worth hanging on to. Yeah, 315, 382, 525, with 12 homers and 14 steals at AAA as a 21-year-old. It's pretty nice, and I saw somebody the other day talking. It might have been like Scott Pianowski on Twitter about how you know the Astros certainly have the pieces to get a deal done for a guy like Degrom if they wanted to. Maybe a package headlined by Tucker, but they just don't even have the need. Like they don't have the need to, to sell this guy. I promise that they're not going to trade for someone of that of that yeah. caliber. I mean, that just they just don't need to. They and they have just so many. Like their pitching depth is just insane. Like mm-hmm. they they go five deep of, you know, at least number three starter caliber pitchers in that rotation, and, and then they have they, a guy like Colin McHugh, who's like a number three starter, who's right, just like a mop up. Like guy. Colin McHugh would be a number three starter, be like least, the Reds ace, at least a number four starter for a lot of the other playoff teams. And the Astros don't have, don't even have a spot for him. They have the best pitching prospect in the game, uh, who you know they don't really have a spot for. They have guys at, at AAA that are that are really putting up impressive numbers that just aren't going to realistically get a long look for them anytime soon. They just have no need to go out and trade the type of prospect gold it would take to get a guy that would be a legitimate upgrade over someone in their rotation. Yeah, and Tucker, meanwhile, I mean, that offense is okay, but it's kind of taking a step back, especially at home. And now Carlos Correa headed to the DL, I think. Tucker actually is the guy who does address the need. And, so. and I think the the obvious just swap out is you just move Marwin Gonzalez back to the utility role mm-hmm. that he really sort of always belonged in. I think that last season's always going to end up being his career year. And it's going to kind of, the further we get away from it, I think the more fluky that his 2017 is going to look. So having a, a guy like Kyle Tucker step in and, and allowing Gonzalez to kind of move back into the type of utility role that he would be used in, in a playoff series makes some sense to me. Uh, I guess it's starting to cut you off, but I was just going to say, I guess it's not out of the question that they could bring him up uh, right away with Marlon it, Gonzalez shifting to short. Uh, yeah, yeah, they could be. Uh, have they even announced a corresponding move? I don't think I saw Ryan? one, no. I yeah, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, maybe Tucker's already up, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, He's just the get like I did a, a Reddit AMA yesterday and and I mean twenty percent of the questions were Kyle Tucker related so everyone is just kind of you know excited about the fact they're stashing him maybe they're in a league that's so shallow that they're deciding whether or not they want to stash him but uh, long gone in in all the leagues you and I play in and you know there's no guarantee that he's going to be up in the next few weeks but he definitely could be and he and he's talented enough to make an impact right away. So, yeah, no corresponding move. The move actually hasn't been made, but he will be placed on the DL prior to Friday's game, and they'll make a move then. So, yeah, maybe maybe by the time you're listening to this, um, Kyle Tucker will have already gotten the call. Next guy on your list here, Chris Paddock. 
And I was seeing, I didn't actually know this, but he was part of like the Fernando Rodney deal a couple of years ago. That's pretty amazing. He was, wait, which deal was that? Um, when Rodney was with the, the Padres. Or when, when Rodney was with the Rays. Um, or wait, was Rodney ever with the Padres? I thought so. Yeah, he had the year of San Diego and Miami. I think they was okay. Paddock with Miami. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, um, pretty good get. Yeah, no, that was okay. you know as soon as the Padres, I mean they made that that one uh, pretty rough trade where they gave away Trey Turner, but then as soon as they flipped that switch back into rebuild mode, mm-hmm. they made like five or six trades uh, right away that were all that yeah, all ended up, up being in their in their favor and yeah Paddock. Uh, I'm working. The reason there was no article this week is I, I wanted to get all the team top twenties up to date in advance of the July two signing, uh, session that'll be on Monday. And then there'll be a, a brand new top 400 up after the July two, uh, stuff all gets finalized. But, uh, Chris Paddock inside my top 40 now, uh, I believe that puts him as a top 10 pitching prospect, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, he's a guy that I think is, is worth rostering in the vast majority of formats. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's number 10 overall. So just right behind number one overall pick Casey Mize right in front of Mackenzie Gore, who's his organizational mate. And the separator there for me is just that Paddock's doing it at a higher level right now than Gore. Uh, I guess you could argue Gore maybe has a, a higher ceiling. I don't think Paddock is quite as risky because I think Paddock is a guy that we could see pitching in the big league rotation, possibly in the first half of next year. I think that he could move that quickly. I mean, it's his promotion to double A is going to be coming like any week now. And then assuming he just kind of does as expected at double A, he's someone that uh, might not require a very long stint at triple A. We've seen how quickly they've pushed guys like Joey Lucchese and Eric Lauer who were definitely not this caliber of prospect but guys that just really didn't get a ton of time at all in the upper levels of the minors and and i think paddock could get big league hitters out right now they just don't really have any reason to to rush him but uh really really impressive numbers i mean video game numbers really in in the hitter friendly cal league right now yeah just glancing at the game log nine k's nine k's ten eight that's pretty good combined over those four starts to two walks that's pretty amazing but he said he could maybe get the call early on next year. He's only throwing 46 and a third this year after the long layoff with Tommy John. Overall next year, do, do you think the innings cap maybe looks like 120-ish? Yeah, something like that. Definitely definitely under 150. So a um, limited window, but still could be pretty useful in that window. Yeah, and they, you know, he might even be a guy who maybe it makes sense to just throw him for like you know, maybe they shut him down in like August and then throw him for like 20 innings in the fall league or something like that, just to kind of uh, gradually build that up in advance of 2019. I mean, maybe that's just wishful, wishful thinking for me, hoping that we get to see him out there. But uh, yeah, just crossing my fingers that he stays healthy. Uh, probably the best changeup in the minor leagues, I would say, right now. And obviously pinpoint command. So uh, really exciting prospect. Any other guys that come to your mind that might get to see in the fall league? Like, do you think Senzel might? Oh, uh, I guess it. Yeah, I guess it depends when they think he's going to be healthy. I think that'd be that'd make that'd a lot of sense sweet. if he's healthy by yeah. then. Um, 
I mean, somebody else I was thinking of. Maybe it was somebody who's. I I wonder if maybe maybe we see Luis Robert. uh, Out there, Um, be pretty nasty. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we see Vlad Junior out there. Oh, don't yeah, don't get my hopes. (laughs) Be pretty nice. Forrest Whitley, guy who won't be seeing out there. But do you think we actually see him in the majors before long? Like. Obviously, we talked about how they just have no need right now, but see somebody that could force their hand. Uh, I mean, I think that he's just kind of insurance for them. I mean, he's one of you know half dozen reasons why I think just a Degrom trade makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. And when you're the Astros, you just have the you don't have to do anything. You don't have to bend over to like go get a guy like Degrom. Uh, the guys they gave up for two aces and Verlander and Garrett Cole, like those packages aren't going to do it for DeGrom. So no reason to trade a guy like Jordan Alvarez or Kyle Tucker. And when you have Forrest Whitley sitting there, who isn't going to be as good as DeGrom this year, but I mean, he could be uh, very much an impactful starting pitcher down the stretch for them. If, if a need does open up, I mean, they just, they have so many different ways of handling that rotation if somebody gets hurt or even if two guys get hurt and force Whitley now four starts under his belt at double a, uh, got, got knocked around. It looked like a little of his latest outing, seven earned runs over four. Yeah. Seven earned runs in his last outing. And he's still got a, a FIP under three, uh, um, whip under one. That's yeah. Nice. I mean, he's, so this is now about 30, it's 31 innings for him total dating back to last year at double a, I think we see him make maybe three or four more starts at double A, then he gets promoted to triple A. And then at that point, it's just kind of a, a waiting game to see if something opens up for him at the big league level. So, with all that in mind, 15 team, does he have your approval, stamp of approval on the stash, or is he kind of not really a worthwhile stash in a mixed league? I, I don't think in a 15 teamer. I think that you could justify it in uh, like our 18 team stake league, but. To me, he's a guy where it's just there's so many factors involved. He might just be one of those guys that that just breaks a lot of fab banks. If if something opens up and he gets the call, I'm guessing he's not going to be owned in a lot of leagues, and I think a lot of people are going to end up having to break the bank to get him via fab. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm finally going to pull the trigger on just trade for a starter or trade a starter for some bats and labor, and I have Whitley there sitting on the bench. I hope to get something out of him, but we'll see. Um, next player on your list is Peter Alonzo and kind of related Dominic Smith. You know, we talked about him on the XM show when he first got the call back and I said, you know, maybe there's something still there with Dominic Smith. You're like, eh, not really. Uh, and this is why you're the man when it comes to this stuff and why I typically defer to you. Uh, Dominic Smith, 227, 261, 409. So do you think that combined with just the Mets, struggles on a whole could lead to us seeing Peter Alonzo at some point. Uh, that's, you know, I had a lot of people asking that and I just, I don't see it for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, one obvious reason is that he's just, he, it, there's an adjustment period for him right now between double A AA and triple A. He's striking out like twice as much as he was at double A. Uh, but that's not surprising. Um, the bigger reasons why I don't think we see him this year is the Mets are clearly not competing. And so you don't say <laughs> they, but they have 
like those starts at first base, I think are useful to them in evaluating guys like Dominic Smith, evaluating guys like Wilmer Flores. And then once that outfield starts getting healthy, that's going to be the only place where they really have to play a guy like Jay Bruce. So uh, I just think that there are valuable reasons for that team to give those at bats to someone other than Peter Alonzo. And then also as a bonus, you get to, uh, save you get that extra year of control on Alonzo and you bring him up early next year. Yeah, and I didn't even mention it, but I'm glad you did that. Red <coughs> AMA, go check out that for kind of in lieu of the article this week. A lot of uh, good stuff there. Uh, Jordan Alvarez circling back to the Astros again, recently activated from that hand issue, batting 324, 380, 606, 10 homers. I mean, how just how high have you bumped this guy? I haven't seen recently. Um, Who was it? Fourteenth on your oh, top four hundred, Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a guy where I think a lot of people were kind of asking about him just because he wasn't a household name coming into the year, and now everyone kind of understands that he's a, a top twenty prospect, uh, a guy that. Ian and I just traded in the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational as kind of the headliner in a Justin Upton deal. Uh, that one was definitely not an easy one to pull the trigger on. I mean, I think that in like three years, Alvarez is probably going to be the better player than Justin Upton. But you know, flags fly forever. We're trying to w- trying to win this year, and you know, Upton's still a, a, a heck of a, a piece. You know, in over the next two to three years, so. Um, that one was painful, but I mean, Alvarez, I just, I don't see any real flaws with him. He's, uh, a guy that, you know, you can't really shift on him. He's got big time power to all fields, probably going to have some positional flexibility, uh, where he's eligible at first base and the outfield, I think at least early in his career. And, uh, he's a good athlete too for for a big first base slugger type. I mean, he's a guy that's going to chip in like eight to ten steals, I think, early on. So, uh, really, really excited about Alvarez. Um, I mentioned in my someone was asking about Yusniel Diaz with the Dodgers and whether or not he might be uh, trade bait for them. And they just they don't trade prospects as good as Yusniel Diaz, but they did trade one better than Yusniel Diaz and Jordan Alvarez. He just wasn't thought of in that regard when they traded him like the Dodgers essentially gave him away uh, for Josh Fields right after signing him and at the time that was just a total like Fernando Tatis Jr. type of trade where he was just kind of this lottery ticket guy that didn't have any uh, you know real reason to be all that excited about other than the fact that he commanded a two million dollar bonus out of Cuba but um, yeah he's he's a monster right now and he's good enough. Like when we talk about teams like the Astros and the Yankees, you always have to think about team context. Like, is this prospect ever going to be good enough where he profiles as an everyday player for this team? And I think Alvarez definitely is for the Astros. Very interesting. Uh, next up on your list here, Jonathan Loisiga. And we talked about him when we got the call, did have that stumble against Seattle on June 20th, but then bounced back with five and a third scoreless one hit allowed eight K's. He was the guy that had risen quite a bit and was actually really high on their pro- on their organizational prospect rankings of yours. And I'm uh, wondering how much has your evaluation changed, if at all? 
Um, I think the my confidence in my evaluation of him has increased. So, uh, yeah, like I said, there's going to be a, I hope a brand new top 400 up on the site on Monday after those J two signings. I wouldn't be surprised if Loisiga is up around 50 or 60 overall on that update. Uh, if anyone's watched him pitch, I mean, it's really easy. He, he locates that mid nineties fastball, uh, really well. The curveball is a, is a really nice pitch for him. And I'm, I'm honestly surprised that he's been as good as he's been, uh, through three big league starts. I kind of thought that there would be some, some struggles early on. He might go down, spend the rest of the year at double a triple a, and then, uh, kind of his coming out party might be 2019 and it still might be thought of that way. I mean, he could easily go get rocked in his next start or two and, uh, we don't hear too much from him again, but this dude's legitimate. Like a lot of the starting pitchers that we talk about that, that make their debuts, I'm kind of always pumping the brakes. Like this guy's not as good as you think he is. Like he's, he's more of a number four, more of a number five. Uh, Lois Eagle, I think's a, a legit mid rotation guy, even though he was, uh, not on a lot of people's radar coming into this year. Yeah, walks have been an issue so far for him at the major league level, eight and in fourteen innings, but track record and you know, especially earlier this year, high A and triple A was so good in that regard that you have to expect him to be uh pounding the strike zone and, and limiting the walks better moving forward. Yeah, I mean it in and context is obviously important. You know, he made he had twenty five innings at above high A before he got to the big leagues, mm-hmm. so to me, just the fact that he's got those two starts where he didn't allow any runs, struck out a bunch of guys, uh, the walks are definitely a thing, but to me it's not a problem for him. Like uh, He's not a guy where I, I foresee throwing strikes being an issue two, three years down the road. I think it's just an issue of we see this all the time. Guys get you know the difference in umpiring from double A to the big leagues. Mm-hmm is just massive and something that uh, people don't talk about a lot. Like double A umpires just have no clue what they're doing relative to big league crews. So, so a guy like Lois Sega throws a pitch uh, that kind of is, is by the zone in a pitcher's count. A lot of the times he gets that at double A and he's not getting in the big league. So I think that's part of the reason why the walks are there. Also just a guy that isn't used to facing this caliber of hitter. So maybe he's not as confident with, with throwing the ball in the zone as he would be against double-A hitters, but I think that that's, that's something that will come for him in time. Yeah, it's probably, if anything, a good thing that he's enjoyed this much success at this point despite some control or control woes, and, maybe only improvement to come. And, and the one thing I did mention about him in that chat that I think everyone needs to kind of keep in mind is, and it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a nice – just kind of if you missed out on him and you really wanted him um bear in mind that he he might get shut down after you know 30 40 innings here like I, I don't think he's got a full season left just because if you if you just look at his his workload uh missed a ton of time earlier in his career with with arm injuries and then in 2017 he only threw like 32 total innings so uh, expecting him to get up to like a hundred innings this year between the minors and the big leagues. I, I don't see him getting there. I think he's probably going to get capped around like 80, 85 innings this year. So, uh, he's sort of a bridge piece in that rotation for 
you know, when they get a little bit healthier, when they acquire somebody at the deadline, uh, maybe they bring up a guy like Justice Sheffield uh, to step in. I think Lois Ego really is just kind of holding that spot for uh, the rest of June and, and probably all of July, and then maybe they, they swap someone out. Yeah, only just over 30 innings combined last season for Lois Sega. Next up on your list is Freddie Peralta. Unfortunately, I don't think my Reds are going to avoid him this weekend. <laughs> uh, bad time to run into the Reds, <laughs> by the way. They're the hottest team in baseball so far in June. How about that? I mean, I, that, it's going to be a, a heck of a series, a heck of a competitive It's going to be a series. slobber knocker, a barn burner. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Um, Freddie Peralta, I, I was thrilled to get him in TGFBI last week. We could talk a little bit about how... Uh, you and I are doing, kind of get, pat ourselves on the back a little bit. But I was not able to get Peralta in the online championship, unfortunately. Settled for win machine Brent Suter. Oh, man. Did not get a win yesterday. But <laughs> he actually had pitched pretty well. A couple of those runs scored after he exited the game. But Freddie Peralta, really exciting. A couple multi or double-digit strikeout games through four starts. He is really relying on the fastball, but he throws different variations of it. And... Looks like he belongs, kind of has the swagger I, I like from a you know, rising young pitcher. Could be a, a potential star eventually, and I think this team has an obvious need. Uh, Zach Davies coming back pretty soon, but I don't think Freddie Peralta is going anywhere. Yeah. What's, like, so have you seen him, like, a little bit since he's been A little been bit. Up? Only, like, I think it was, like, his first double digit k game what what do you think because like i i feel like i may be a little biased just because i've i've liked him for a while now as a prospect and he's a, a brewer's prospect so uh and i have him in a lot of leagues so i feel like i it's hard for me to kind of separate myself because i'm so sort of invested in the guy i love him as a as a guy like i think he's just one of the one of the better dudes uh around better young uh pitchers around yeah. and just in terms of being a, a fun uh yeah, nice super fun. nice guy um but what like do you think like how much of this do you think is sustainable for him because obviously it's a very unique uh skill set i mean he attacks hitters with a very unique arsenal that yeah. we typically don't see like when we look at i mean if we just look at the the strikeout rate leaderboard among like starting pitchers it's usually guys that have you know, that are more like, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", mid-90s fastball, a plethora of off-speed stuff that's all, like, plus or above average at least. And, and Freddie's just really kind of, uh, you know, changing eye levels, keeping hitters off balance with his delivery, pumping that fastball, and then occasionally throwing the, the breaking ball uh, as an out pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not completely sold. I do think he's interesting and exciting for sure. The six-walk game does kind of worry me i think that's kind of you know i think we'll see games like that where he just can't really locate well and kind of stumbles a little bit and it'd be nice if he could change speeds he does throw change looks like but um very very infrequently mostly you know fastball curve he does throw a couple variations of the fastball though right right Uh, yeah Yeah. and that's that's still a tough situation to be in in today's game if they're all coming in there at the same speed with you know 80% 80% of your pitches. I think uh, he he's a pitcher who relies on deception. And usually we say that about guys where it's like, oh, this isn't going to be sustainable. They've 
Like that's what I, that's, I, I always say that about Jalen Beeks. Like he, Jalen Beeks gets by on deception, not stuff. Uh, but Peralta's the, his deception's better than everyone else's deception. Like it's, it's 80 grade deception. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas with a guy like Jalen Beeks, I think he, that deception isn't going to play the same against big league hitters as it does triple a hitters, especially right-handed hitters in the big leagues. But Peralta is just, I mean, he makes some of the best hitters in the game just look really foolish on some of these swings. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's encouraging. I mean, I think a lot of the times the hitters will tell you how overpowering the stuff is. uh, And, you know, a lot of his strikeouts really do look overpowering. Um, I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't know what type of format you'd have to be in to not be interested in a guy like Freddie Peralta. He's probably gone everywhere at this point, but um yeah i thought my i thought my bid was like a keep him honest bid like 43 out of a thousand i was thrilled to get him i i got him in tgfbi as well for a bid around there and it was kind of mostly centered around the fact that it was a two-step and yeah i mean people were kind of scared away or he was just sort of out of sight out of mind for some people i think before yeah, because uh, he was you know up and down, right? And I, I'm with you. I think there are going to be there's going to be the occasional like maybe every three every four starts there's going to be a game where he doesn't get out of the fourth inning. Uh, walks are typically going to be the issue there. I mean, he's <laughs> people aren't squaring him up like when mm-hmm. he when he gets into trouble it's because he issues the the walk. Uh, but he's going to have you know for every game like that I think he's going to have a 11k 12k game. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about him. He's very interesting. I think when a guy comes up and debuts and fans 13 at cores, like, I mean, typically teams line things up so guys don't debut at cores. And come in and do that, show that kind of dominance, and then continue to. It's pretty pretty eye-opening. Well, you know, Fab for TGFBI runs a little bit, a couple hours before Fab for online championship and i got him and i was like oh man i'm gonna get him there too it wasn't the case but i'll, I'll settle for the wins machine <laughs> well, that's fine. the wind machine i mean i our our <laughs> buddy uh craig goldstein uh termed the the nickname for juan soto childish bambino i love that one. i mean i he think we credit for that too. i yeah i think we can beat him though with the the wind machine <laughs> for brent Suter. i mean what's sexier than that yeah no kidding did you see that play he made yesterday <laughs> I like diving. He's athletic as hell, first man. Base. It was crazy. Also give him credit for his uh, Jim Carrey impression. But a quick note, fantasy baseball fans, the f- uh, the baseball season is in full swing. With baseball season comes FanDuel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel, the most exciting, uh, the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind, something for everyone. Tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just 25 cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. We had the Rotowire Baseball Championship uh, final last night. I had four entries. Didn't cash in a sing- with a single one of them. That was disappointing. How did you end up doing? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I, I also did not cash. I mean, shout out to our buddy Kevin O'Brien. Yeah, I, that, saw, yeah. I mean, had like the, all four entries finish in the money. He finished one through four because because <laughs> oh, really? he's got the biggest cojones around and just rolled out the same, yeah, basically awesome. the same lineup for all four of his entries. Yeah, just go big that. or go home. 
I love that. Who do you know who he had? Because I had Bumgarner. Well, he had Bumgarner, and then he he just had the right bats. Like yeah. he had, uh, I mean, he had Seager. I think you did too. But he also had uh, Valencia, who had a bomb. JD Martinez, Gene Segura. JD Martinez against the lefty is just so automatic. Like sometimes I think oh, I can't do it again, but it seems like every time he faces a lefty, he goes yard. But on FanDuel, you guys can play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RoadWire subscription, which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Next guy up is a guy who's in a situation which is pretty frustrating, Kristen Stewart. Because he really seemed to be on the verge of a promotion, I thought anyway, you know, leading the International League with 15 homers. He had cooled off, but I still thought, you know, given that they're playing Jacoby Jones and whoever else, that they could use Stewart's bat in the lineup. But now with this calf injury, how long do you think it is before we see Kristen Stewart? I think it's time to probably stop the stash. Well, I'm not going to be doing that in stake league. <laughs> I... I he's no longer a guy that I think needs to be stashed. I think that you know there are two factors for that. I, I think one is the the calf injury that landed him on the minor league DL. Uh, not sure how long he'll be out, but I mean he he could miss a month, something like that. And he was slumping before the calf injury, so uh, it just I I mean so say he comes back in. You know, right after the All Star break, that that seems like a kind of a best case scenario to me. Uh, and then he, I think, gets at least two or three weeks to kind of get back into a groove. And and what if he doesn't really? What if he it's like two fifty in those three weeks? And all of a sudden we're in early August. Uh, and then at that point, it's just like, well, what's even the point? Like, I mean, yeah. might as well team. just wait till twenty nineteen. Uh, I. I think that they should have had him up. Um, I think they should have had him up in like late May, really. Uh, but they didn't, and you know now he's hurt. He, he started slumping. Um, I still think like when he comes off the DL, I still think he's an immediate upgrade over a guy like Jacoby Jones. But you know if they weren't bringing him up uh, earlier this month, I don't see why they'd bring him up right after he comes off the minor league DL. So yeah, that's a joke. Cramping my stash game yeah i, I mean like it, it's a it's a damn shame i actually had him too in tgfb i still do but i will be dropping him this week there for sure you and i both on a pretty nice run probably gonna jinx ourselves here but uh i think we're both like top six last time i checked yeah i think this is the only out of 195 this has to be the only podcast out there where both hosts are in the top 10 of the overall in TGFBI. Uh, yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah, that's, hey. And now we've jinxed ourselves. Uh, <laughs> shouts to everybody else that's in the in the top 10. Um, you're welcome that we, we talked about it. <laughs> on a, yeah, I don't like to talk. I, I mean, it's so stupid, but I actually have superstition. Oh, I, yeah, I know. I, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I, I try, like, to reverse jinx, jinx. Yeah, I, I mean, I Call don't, me I hate, I, I hate, like, taking uh, victory laps, uh, mm-hmm. especially in, like, any kind of, like, on Twitter, like, I hate, 
ever pointing out things I was right about just because I, it's, it's I feel like it's, move it's, for one, it's, yeah, also, it's a douche it, move. It, it definitely can backfire in a hurry. Like 90% of why I don't do it is it's like a, it's, it's a huge douche move because like the fir- the minute you start taking a victory lap, like I think everyone is entitled to then just point at, point out the stuff that you were wrong about. You yeah, know, if you're exactly. going to, if you're going to point out the stuff you were right about, then everyone else should be able to point out the stuff you were wrong about. But yeah, you're opening yourself up to some, yeah. some backlash. Um, but it is, I think it is pretty cool that we're both, uh, doing well there. And, um, I mean, do you want to get into that now? Sure. I mean, I don't yeah. have, I mean, I've had some really good pitching. My offense has been up and down, but you know, a guy who's been helping a lot recently, who I you know, had on bench for a while, had on the DL, but Manuel Margot, I'm pretty glad I didn't drop him. Oh, yeah. I, he's um, long been one of my favorites, long been a guy that I've been really high on. I got, So I have the, the current standings up. You're, it goes our, our buddy Almaguer uh, from Fake Teams, number one overall. Matt Truss of Razzball, number two overall. Um, Frank uh, Stample of FNTSY three overall and then oh, i fell out of third yeah. and clay link fourth overall yeah. um yatters is five overall and i'm at six overall yeah, how about the that top six that's pretty good man out of 195 that's pretty solid i i still feel like there's a lot of room to improve on my offense but um we'll see i mean jd martinez obviously been doing it trevor story too that's like one of the few spots i have story he's been really pretty awesome yeah that's sort of um there is there are a handful of guys i have where it's like this is the only spot i have Mm them um you know you and i both went stanton jd one two Mm -hmm. uh jeff erickson did that too uh derek van riper did that as well which was kind of funny when it happened and this is a slow draft so it's not like it all happened like the exact same day necessarily the same hour but i just remember talking to you and then i saw like those guys talking about what they did on twitter i was like holy crap like all four of us went stanton first round jd martinez second round and you know that's just such a crazy base of counting stats Mm -hmm. and i think to compete in an overall like this you have to be really dominant in a in a handful of categories and when you have stanton and jd that allows you to compete for the overall lead in home runs runs and rbi yeah man those two have been awesome and stanton hasn't well i mean stanton has been pretty awesome lately but not a great first two months and i think the best may be still yet to come with him yeah and i mean like a bad a bad start to the season for stanton is just 19 home runs at this point you know yeah and one thing i did there that i typically don't do is go three outfielders to start because i went yelich with my third pick because it was like you know two two ut spots i'm starting to think i shouldn't have that in my mind so often even in standard leagues you know where i'm more hesitant to take three straight outfielders i think generally i would like to get an infielder in that span but you know take the best player available the first three rounds so my third and fourth picks i can't even remember what order it was but it was either granky buxton or buxton granky so <laughs> oh, no. 
Buxton. No, Granky's Buxton. been good. Oh, Granky's been great. Yeah. Um, no complaints there. But Buxton, <laughs> Buxton has not been. And thankfully, it's almost maybe it's even helped me that he hasn't been in my lineup much <laughs> at all. Uh, <laughs> That's probably a good point. But <laughs> they drag your average down like yeah. ten points alone. I mean, it's uh, it's been fun, and he he's supposed to be back too. I don't know what's going on with him. He's supposed to be back like Tuesday, and then he just. Nothing. Who are who are some like prospects or younger guys that you have that have been helping out? Um, well, Walker Bueller yep, was I have, awesome. I have he Bueller's returned well. today, surprisingly, pitching relief did not fare well, but it's good to see him back. Jack Flaherty was a guy who. Um, Ended up being pretty big. I offensively, I don't think I had really many prospects. Um, one guy who I picked up, who now I'm probably, even though I have a DL spot, you know, if it comes to it, I'll probably drop Mike Soroka. Just probably have to. Well, I'm I'm going to be able to DL him. I mean, the the nice thing about TGFBI is you get five spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have uh, Bueller and Soroka. I'm just going to swap. I also have Brandon Morrow, so I'll just activate either Morrow or Bueller, put Soroka in. I, I do think Soroka is going to come back in mid-August, and just given the five DL spots available, I'm just – I don't have any yeah. reason. And I have Cozart in one of those spots. I'm just going to drop him too. So. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, I, I figure I probably won't have to, but there could be a pinch, you know, at some point. Sure. I mean, that, that actually – you mentioned, like, not having any kind of prospects in the – on the hitting side, I don't really either, and I and I think that there's probably you know something to our success. I mean, we're I'm I'm relying on a lot of guys that are kind of in that like 26 to 30 range or 25 to 30 range. Um, the only like guys that I have that might be kind of considered young, exciting players are like Ozzy Albies and uh, you know That's Javier. Exciting. Javier Baez is still kind of young. I have Nick Williams um, filling in uh, for Buxton. I have Willie Adamas on my bench. I've never played him yet. Uh, Actually, that was one guy I did pick up was Willie Adamas. And I've had I've been starting him. He does have a couple of homers, but the slash line's been pretty disappointing. 220, 277, 339. Do you think we maybe see him head back down? Oh, I I don't think so. I don't I mean he's I think you just let him work through that. Uh, I mean, I, I've got such the boy. I've got the most boring infield minus. Well, actually, actually, no, I'll just, I'll say bias is in my middle infield spot, but like first base, I have Carlos Santana, second base, Jed Lowry, third base, young Harris Salarte and shortstop Brandon Crawford. And those guys have all produced. They're Brandon producing. Crawford's been insane. Yeah. Like since the end of April, he's been like a top, five shortstop he's been awesome well we definitely jinxed ourselves but yeah. best of luck james I'm i mean sure we'll be talking about it i think we, we should maybe just hope that we finish like top 50 now in the overall after talking <laughs> about this today yeah well credit to almager eddie almager because we had him on i thought we'd probably <laughs> jinx him he's held on to that top spot i really really tried our best to, to jinx eddie but he's just he's too good couldn't <laughs> jinx him I said that. I mean, I really wasn't when we had him on the show. I just wanted to get his thoughts. But credit for him for shaking the uh, the the jinx that we put upon him. Before we sign off, or at least you know, before we get to our latest entry in the collabs countdown, I was wondering, you know, aside from Vlad Jr., who seems like a lock for this, anybody else that you see getting the Chris Bryant 
Ronald Acuna treatment <coughs> next year. Yeah, I mean, I think Vlad Jr. is definitely a lock, assuming he comes back, uh, you know, uh, around the All-Star break, a little after, goes to AAA, does what we expect him to do there. I think he's he's definitely a lock for that. Uh, but th- I think this might actually be kind of a uh, a banner year for impact guys, like top 20 type of prospects coming up in, you know, between that extra year control date, which will be in April, and the perceived Super 2 date, which will be in June. Like, I think Vlad Jr. is going to be up in that in that range. Ila Jimenez is going to be up in that range. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be up in that range. Oh, uh, Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette. Uh, if Force Whitley doesn't debut this year, he'll be up in that range. That actually is just a stacked Nick, lineup. Nick, Nick Senzel, Keston Hira, uh, and then uh, kind of a wild card. I moved Joe Adele up to eighth overall. I've seen the, some of what he's been doing. It's pretty nuts. Joe Adele's basically doing what Ronald Acuna did last year without the same type of Jeez. without the same type of speed, but. Uh, Eleven bags, but I mean he's he's on a collision course for double A sooner than later. If he rakes at double A, I mean he might finish the year at triple A. And and this Angels team is not a team that that babies guys are that really plays those games too hard. Like they they want to win, they want to win right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Adele ends up getting the Acuna treatment. Uh, big time power, crazy athlete. Uh, I think he's a plus runner right now. I don't know how much longer he'll be a plus runner, but, um, you know, he's kind of, he's one of those guys where he's just having so much success at the plate that I don't even think you should look at his approach, like his, his walks, his strikeouts. Like he's just, it's coming so easy for him right now. Like he, he got promoted. I, I feel like he got promoted to high a like less than a month ago and he's already got 10 bombs there. Um, I mean, he's, he's a really good prospect. He'll be up uh, Jordan Alvarez could get that treatment. Uh, we'll see if Austin Riley's up this year. If he's not, he could get that treatment. Uh, the nationals are always aggressive with guys. If Carter Keyboom kind of keeps this up, he could take over, uh, if they, they let Daniel Murphy go. Um, he's another guy that could kind of get the, this treatment. I mean, it, it's going to be Jesus Lazardo on the pitching side, I think, could be one of these guys. Uh, Brendan Rodgers with the Rockies, assuming they let uh, LeMahieu uh, go. I mean, there's just – it's going to be really fun in the first couple of months of next season, and it's going to be really fun in draft season because, you know, someone asked where, where are you going to take Vlad Jr. in a draft, and I'm thinking, like, basically – the same spot I was taking Acuna this year, mm-hmm. like in that 80 to 100 range, I think it's going to be a fine spot to take Vlad Jr. Um, a lot of those guys, I mean, Vlad's not going to have that discount, but a lot of those guys will probably be really great values. Right. Like, cause they're not going to break camp. Yeah. If you, if you get like Eloy at pick like 175, Oh, I'd be thrilled or be over the moon. Bo Bichette at like pick 250. Um, yeah. you know, that type of thing, like Nick Senzel pick like 220. Like, I think that stuff is all 100% in play. Yeah, I just got to be disciplined and, you know, <laughs> not draft a guy and drop him right away. Well, you got to get in with Bellinger. <laughs> you got to, and you got to pick your spots too, right? Like, you don't want to. You can't go with like every one of those. You guys. don't want to leave a draft and then have your entire bench be 
hitters you're stashing. You know, yeah. I mean, you gotta. Uh, no, don't it, don't put me up whoa, to the challenge. Hey, I mean, I I've I took uh, Glaber Torres and dropped him this year. So. Oh man, that sucks. Glaber's been awesome. I've I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. He's my least favorite player in the game. <laughs> uh, real quick though, before we get to the collabs countdown. Matt Dice, he's having a nice year. And I saw, you know, you wrote a Cozart note last night where you said maybe it's part of the implications there. We could we could see Dice. But Otani sounds like he'll be back as a hitter. So what do you think? Do you think Dice is in the, the mixed league stash conversation? Uh, I almost put a bid in on him in our stake league for tonight. I uh, just didn't really want to drop. Uh, it would have basically been who would you rather have rest of season, Matt Dice or Domingo Santana? And yeah, that's tough. I, I just refuse to just, I, I'm just going to go down with the Domingo ship this year. If he doesn't produce in the second half, that's fine. But I, I just don't want him producing for someone else. Uh, I mean, he could get traded and produce. Someone could get injured. He'd come back up and produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that that makes some sense. Like, so they have David Fletcher up right now. I mean, he's had a, a hell of a year in the minor leagues, but to me, like at least right now, especially, I think realistically he's more of a util guy. Uh, so the idea of bringing Thice up to start uh, a lot at at first base and then kind of sliding Valbuena over to third base and then you kind of take turns with Pujols and Otani and and sometimes you play Pujols at first base like I think there's ways of kind of making it work I mean I I just think Thice is has a chance to be one of their five or six best hitters in the second half and so I think it makes sense I mean this is a desperate team a a team that really wants to make the postseason and they're they're kind of sliding in the standings to the point where I could see them making a move like that just to just to see what happens yeah, I mean, really nice season for him. We'll see. I mean, he's a guy like I have Stewart. I could maybe swap them out, but I'm just going to see what happens with Stewart for a little while longer. Probably the time to jump and make that switch before you do, but um, not going to. Not quite yet. That'll do it for the prospect portion. James, I got another boring entry, another one that's already been talked about. is already on your list. I got the What, Biggie featuring Method Man. It's had to make the list. I love this song. Method Man's kind of uh, wearing on me. I, I think he's lost a lot of street cred being on that <laughs> Drop the Mic show. I have real gripes with that. But he did bring it on this song, and this one is... It had to be on my list. had to be top ten. I know you did not quite make your top ten, but this was one of the earlier like collabs that I was like, yeah, this is kind of a best-of-both-world situation here. So what do you got? Well, just I want to stick up for Method Man really quickly and just say that, you know, hey, he he's got to get he's got to pay those bills. Yeah, I gotta get it. And get but also I'll say too, the latest Woo album, he really kind of flopped. He really oh, did was, he? He really kind of didn't bring it. He, had, oh. he even had like a solo song that was like maybe my least favorite song on the whole album. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, see, I yeah, I mean, I I can't stick up for that, but. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tough to to get paid when you're when you're splitting the check night or eight ways. Yeah, I guess now, true. I guess maybe old dirty bastards uh, estate maybe gets something, but um, you know, I mean, he it's not like he hasn't been in good stuff. I mean, he's been in the wire. I mean, he's 
he's been in uh, How High. I mean, the critically acclaimed movie How High. I mean, it, it's not like he's uh, yeah, opposed be right. to being in good good stuff. I think he's just he takes what he can get at this point. That drop the mic show though is probably the worst on television. <laughs> I've never even seen a whole episode. I've just seen clips on like Twitter and stuff. It's the most canned white it, nonsense. I, I, I did see a clip of like uh, Ken Jong like doing one against like Shaq, and I was just like, "You guys, I know that you guys didn't personally write these yeah. raps, but how are the writers not that capable bad. of coming up with something just slightly better?" Yeah, they should have at least allowed Shaq to write a song. If I didn't want to. <laughs> By the way, Shaq was in Madison, wasn't he? Yeah. DJing? Yep. That's wild. Yeah. You didn't see him. Did no, you? no, I okay. did not. So what's your entry here? I think uh, this is, number, is this number eight? Yep, eight. Okay. Uh, mine is Gone by Kanye West and Cameron. Interesting. I don't think I've even ever heard that song. That's off of uh, Kanye's second album. Um, it was, you know, I think... Drive Slow featuring Paul Wall and GLC, I guess, could have a, a case for being the best song on that album. We Major with Nas also up there. But Gone for me, like Cameron and Kanye just have this uh, really surprising, surprisingly high level of chemistry when they're on a track together. That is surprising. Ka- Kanye's on a um, Down and Out off of Purple Haze. Uh, which is just uh, a heck of a track. Uh, I mean, they they just have really good chemistry together. Kanye is really good at at making beats that that fit Cameron's style, and uh, you know, Cameron's verse on there is just really insane. Obviously, he's he's brings it a little bit harder than Kanye does, but uh, Kanye has the the production going for him on that track. Uh, really, one of my favorite songs. Of all time, so had to nice. had to make the list. Nice, I I gotta check that out. Especially if you say Cam just tears it up. I did have that one Cam entry on my list. Not going to be another one, but Cam is pretty underrated. Let's say. I mean, he hasn't come out with anything new in years. Well, that I know about. and this was this song was kind of what uh, turned me on uh, to just Cam's brilliance and and yeah. kind of hilarious. Uh, he lyrical funny, style you know? he's, yeah he's got some funny really funny lines in a lot of his songs but it also you know unlike method man a lot of actual street cred <laughs> cameron's got enough street cred to share a little bit with with method man if he's if he's yeah. running low i mean break a little off for, for my brother matt all right that'll do it for us we appreciate it james catch you guys next week on the rotowire prospect podcast brought to you by fanduel
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.